0: welcome to the Paid Search Podcast. My name is Chris Schaefer. You know me well if you've been listening to this podcast for a while. You know you're about to get a ton of information about Google Ads and I don't mess around. Let's go straight into it. Today we're going to talk about questions from the audience. If you'd like to send in a question, you can do so at paidsearchpodcast.com or you can send in an email. Paid search podcast at gmail.com. And we're going to be answering questions from multiple people about lots of topics. One of them is about policy issues in Google Ads. So it's going to be really interesting. We're also going to be talking about brand campaigns. Should you advertise on your own company name? Should you not? We're going to be talking about what to do with competitors should you target competitors? Should you block them? Should you allow them? We're going to talk about that, and we also are talking about a big change that's happened in the past couple of years. That people are starting to spot some conflicts in my advice. Am I wrong? Am, am I am I talking out of both sides of my mouth here? Do I do I give bad advice? Have I changed? What's changed? I'm going to talk about that in today's episode. So stay tuned. I want to remind you that you can go to optio.com slash PSP for an amazing free trial of two months of the Google Ads software that can bring your account to the stars. It is an amazing system. It can skyrocket your metrics by helping you to write better ads, manage your bids better, manage your locations, your negative keywords, remove Duplicate keywords, helping you to overall improve the performance of your Google Ads account. It's a phenomenal system that has been going through tons and tons of improvements over the years. They've been a sponsor of the podcast for quite a while, a couple years now, and I'll tell you, everyone's using it. It's amazing how it's grown. I'm a I'm honored to be a part of the growth of their company. People are finding this software and. Signing up for the free trial at opteo.com slash PSP. Two months for free, and then ended up trying it and using it forever. It becomes a normal tool in their tool belt. You will like it, I guarantee it, and you can try it for free in the link in the description. That's opteo.com slash PSP. Okay, so... Let's jump in with the episode. I have four questions to go through. We're going to start with a question from Eric in Florida. And for those of you that were hoping for another episode of Principles of Google Ads, because I am ready to continue on with that uh, ever growing list, we are on number nine. But to, we're not talking about number nine today we're talking We're talking about questions. I will be coming back to the principles of Google ads. There's tons more that I can share with you. We'll be continuing that series. But first, there were just some pressing questions that were in the inbox that I thought were great questions, so I am gonna answer those. Eric in Florida brings up what he says might be conflicting instructions from Chris Schaefer. Oh my goodness, has he caught me in a lie. Let's let's talk about it. Eric says, I was just listening to episode 346. In about 13 minutes in, you talk about how you do not suggest using negative keywords for search terms that appear in multiple ad groups by adding negative keywords at the ad group level. The issue is I've always been following your advice from episode 264 regarding cannibalization that you're supposed to add negative keywords at the ad group level to prevent cannibalization of search terms between multiple ad groups. Have I misunderstood something here? It seems as if these are conflicting instructions. As always, thank you so much for your invaluable advice. Eric, you are first of all a super fan quoting the episode numbers, talking about rules and established advice down to the minute. I mean, wow. That, I that is impressive. I I am honored that you would put so much time and, and, and energy into making sure you listen and, and 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 know the episode numbers. I'm thrilled. And I'm so glad that you did mention the episode number because this helps me to answer this question. Knowing that I put out an episode basically once a week, this is about 150 weeks, 130 weeks between the two episodes that you've listened to. So we're talking two and a half years. So episode 264 came out in 2021, I would assume and you're absolutely right i probably did say that i probably said it's a good idea to use ad group negative keywords and i meant it and i was i was right and i did that back in 2021 but here we are episode number 397 in a newly launched 2024 year and as you said I said recently, you know, about 50 episodes back, that I don't do that anymore. And the thing is, both of those are true. And the difference is how things have changed, not with my management style, but the way Google Ads has changed. If you've ever managed Google Ads before 2020, back in the crazy days of 2017, 2016, and, and, and before you would know it is a completely different world. So the advice of using negative keywords at the ad group level is entirely correct if you are utilizing a time machine (laughs) and going back to Google 2027. Google Ads 2027 was different. It's a different world, a different strategy. And rather than going into what was, let's talk about what is. The fact is, as I've, I forget what episode was. It, it was last year. I did a very specific episode about, I think that the, the first word in the episode title is crazy, all caps. And if you go back and listen to that episode, I discuss the definition of the match types that Google has given us. They have given us, match type definitions. These match type definitions are absolutely different than what they were years ago, five years ago, 10 years ago. I know because I used to teach out of a textbook. I used to teach a course. I would travel around the U.S. and and teach and train this kind of stuff before the wonderful world of podcasts made it possible for me to do this much easier, so now I don't have to leave my house, which is wonderful. (laughs) And I used to teach and train. I had specific definitions of what a phrase match keyword would do and what it would not do. For example, I would tell people that a phrase match keyword, if you say red shoes, you would also be certain that it would not be shoes red that would show up in your search terms it was always in that order shoes for tennis would always be shoes for tennis and not tennis shoes it was very different and now that's not true the definition of phrase match is topical it's thematic it's different than what it was before. It is no longer a word matching system. Google doesn't look at shoes for tennis and match word to word. They now look at that entire phrase, throw it through some kind of algorithm, computer program thing that analyzes all kinds of stuff and decides this is what that keyword means. And this is the kind of search terms that will match to that. It's different. So because of that, I have changed. I've changed my opinion about negative keywords. Ad group level negative keywords are no longer something that I use as a standard application of my Google Ads build. I no longer just use those. So what's the proper method to use negative keywords? Well... I prefer to use campaign-negative keywords. I do not find that it is beneficial to use lots and lots of ad group-negative keywords because a restrictive campaign, a campaign that forces keywords to flow through specific ad groups in order to get clicks, that doesn't work anymore cannibalization basically has become a lot less of an issue than it used to be because keywords no longer are linear. They're no longer, linear probably isn't the right term, they're no longer a straight line. It's now kind of a curve. It's now kind of fuzzy. It's it's no longer as it used to be. And because of that, taking one keyword, you have. You, let's say you have an ad group, shoes for tennis, and you might also have uh, another ad group that has shoes for running. And you might add n- a negative ad group to the running ad group that says tennis. And then uh, the word running is a negative ad group keyword for the tennis ad group. And I would tell you that is the wrong way to go about it. The reason is is because these keywords can move outside of the boundaries of what they are, and they can grab traffic that Google deems to be more relevant. And if Google deems a keyword to attract a certain type of search term, it's your job to figure out why that's happening and correct it if it needs it, to assess those things, to measure those things, to test and see why it's happening, correct it, this is now our our job is no longer masters of funnels that we don't we don't build automated amazing keyword systems like we used to anymore it doesn't really work like that anymore it it works in a much looser way and you and you have to adjust so that's why i am saying firmly now that i don't use ad group level negative keywords they don't work like they used to Restrictive campaigns can generally result in very <clears throat> degraded performance. That's not always true. That is not, nothing is ever always true in Google Ads. I just spoke with a company today who has an extremely restrictive campaign, and this topic came up. A group negative actually came up in the topic of things we were discussing, and I advise them to test it. Not to just go in and just delete all the ad group negatives, but let's test it. Let's see what happens when we allow a little more leniency in our keywords. Perhaps we can get more out of it. Perhaps we experience a lower CPC, a lower cost per click. Perhaps we experience a better CTR. Because with the fuzziness of the keywords and the fuzziness of our ad copy, we can no longer create fine lines of boundary between ad groups because they no longer exist all right next we're going to move to chicago we have mallory in chicago and she says hi chris i recently discovered your podcast and all caps love it Thank you, Mallory. Glad to hear it. It's been so insightful as I'm a freelance digital marketer still learning the best ways to optimize Google Ads. Wonderful. Glad to help. One of my clients sells weight loss prescriptions via a 15-minute online telehealth visit through our website. The main drug is semaglutide, a.k.a. Ozympic. I, As I'm creating Google Ads for this client, I'm running into the problem of eligible but limited due to policy prescription drug services restricted medical content restricted drug drug terms what do i do well mallory <clears throat> i can tell you that you absolutely can use these terms you you can use keywords like Ozympic and semaglutide and things like that, where you will run into problems and, and what is causing this problem, if you do have policy issues in Google Ads, and, and this speaks to anyone who has policy issues in Google Ads, if you have this limited policy warning on your keywords or your ads, this is because Google is... Not necessarily throwing a fit over the keyword. You usually don't see it on the keyword. Usually you see it on an ad. And this is happening because Google's not necessarily looking at your keywords. Most of the time it happens because they look at your ad copy, the actual words in your ad copy, and the words on your website. So if you have Ozempic and these terms like this, you will inevitably run into the big bad policy monster this policy monster is particularly difficult to deal with because the policy monster does not tell you how much limited by policy you know what that means it doesn't tell you how much you're, how much impression share you're losing limited is not a number limited is just a status so does that mean you're limiting 50% of your impressions are you limiting 90% are you limiting 5% 10% it's very frustrating for that reason so i would say first you know that's the that's the really frustrating thing is that you don't know what it's doing you don't know what you're missing you don't know what you're able to show for sure because you will continue to have that policy issue on your ad as long as you have these restricted drug terms messaging on your site. So there's a couple ways to deal with it. I've had clients that have drug terms or medical terms and things like that on their site, and they are doing something that, is according to Google's regulations not approved by the FDA or some you know what whatever policy Google's using to determine what is acceptable and what is not Google has determined this is not acceptable so the only way to get a situation like that to run through Google is to remove every instance of that word from the ads and the website this is particularly difficult because now you have to use kind of obtuse obscure language to describe what it is that you're providing if it's some kind of pain management system or some type of um, medical theoretic kind of thing that you're doing and it's not really proven and it's it, it it works wonderfully for some people but it's certainly not approved as a a drug the government has approved it you will run into this problem so the only way to do it is to remove those words entirely so if that's not an option if you can't not use the words or you feel that by not using the words it becomes such a limiting factor of your, your account that you really can't, you really, you really can't not use them. You, you have to say what it is that you actually do. You know, that's what you provide. You provide weight loss injections, prescriptions, drugs, you know, you're a clinic. If you can't, if you can't not use words like that, then you're the last option you have <clears throat> is you must be certified, have the proper certification through Google there is a system called legit script that's one word legit script that will allow you to become certified and Google uses legit script as a method to determine who can and who cannot run these so if you are certified and it, it takes time it's it's not free it's you know it's not I don't want to say it's, it's expensive but you know it depends on how much of a size of a company you are some clients have said absolutely that's not worth it for us to do just don't advertise on that or some clients say absolutely we we have to do that that's 90% of what we do so it really depends on how important it is to you but this does take time and it takes effort it's not something that the google ads manager would do this is like a business kind of thing that has to be done it's a very uh invasive kind of thing it takes time approval all this kind of stuff so that's really the only option. If you cannot arbitrarily kind of blur some of the aspects and, and, and be able to pass through Google's policy, then what you have to do is get certified. And in no way am I suggesting that you trick the system. I mean you just you just can't say those words. You can't say those things. If you if you remove that and, and resubmit the ads and and go through, eventually you may be able to be rid of that policy. I had an exact situation like this last year where I set up campaigns. I had no idea that the kind of product that this person was doing was not a FDA-approved method. So therefore, Google immediately, bam, stopped. They they were not only policy-limited, but they were disapproved entirely it would not even allow me to run the keywords or the ads at all. So I had to get an entirely different website built, a landing page built with no mention of the methodology or the keyword you know, that, that, that uh, the drug name or the medication or anything like that I had to completely remove all of that and just use more generic language. Now you can still use some keywords that might be more restrictive but really it comes down to the ad copy and the website and the language on the website and and on the ad copy so i hope that's helpful it's it's difficult google ads policy navigation is not a pleasant place to be i'll tell you that so next we got coming up a discussion about brand and then we got a discussion about competitors So let's get to that. Rohan, who is a Rowan? Rowan? Maybe Rowan. I'll say Rowan. Rohan, I think that's uh, my my familiarity with Lord of the Rings, I think, comes out when I say that. (laughs) Uh, I think it's Rowan. Rowan says, my name is Rowan and I've been listening to the Paid Search podcast starting from the old episodes. It has been a boot camp of an experience as I listen to an episode on my travels. What is your opinion on sponsored paid search for an exact keyword phrase of the brand itself? I see a lot of companies, including large companies with in-house marketing teams do this. And I was wondering, is there a rationale that justifies this tactic? Very good question. I have talked about brand stuff many times, so I'm happy to talk about it again because it comes up all the time. And it is a very controversial topic. So, I have three rules or three areas of advice to tell you about using brand or company name, brand name, product name, keywords in your Uh, specifically in your keywords, okay? So if your company name is XYZ Widgets and your keywords exact match, phrase match, whatever, if, if the keyword XYZ Widget shows up in your search terms, it doesn't even have to be in your keywords. It could be in your search terms. In that case, you are doing the f- at least the first situation that we're going to talk about here which is you're using brand keywords with no control you're not targeting them specifically they're they're in your search terms they are you might you might have kids toys as a keyword and xyz widget is coming through this happens all the time and if you don't control it, you're in the first camp, which is you're, you're using brand keywords, company keywords, product keywords with no control. So what's the problem with this? Well, this leads to bad data. Your account, your campaign is being lied to. You say, wow, Chris, that's really strong language there. Yeah, because it's being lied to. Not by Google. Not by you, but just by mixing data. If you have a five times ROAS or a $50 cost per conversion and 25% of those conversions are using your company name in their search and calling you or filling out a form or making a purchase... That is not representing the actual acquisition that you have made of new customers. You are not providing a lead source to your company of new acquisition at a five times ROAS or a $50 cost per conversion. Whatever your KPI is that you're measuring with, it is not entirely correct. No company... don't care who you are no company would measure a returning customer who knows the company name as an equal value to someone who does not know the company name and is not searching for it yet comes in and makes a purchase or fills out a form or makes a phone call someone who is not your friend coming in and becoming a friend, or someone who is a friend and and walking in, those aren't the same kind of experiences. I say friend as though, you know, anyone who buys from you is a friend, right? They gave you money, you know, you're you're happy for for them to enter your your business agreement here. So I use friend very lightly, but I think you get the point. The idea is that these people are not the same. You have customers and non-customers. Customers that return great you want those all the time customers that have never heard about you that's what brings growth people who have never heard of your company that find your products your services and buy and purchase from you they are technically worth more because a snake that eats its own tail will soon starve It'll consume itself. And that is not a way to grow your company. You must have an outside source of leads or your leads will shrink. So that's the first thing. And thats I'll tell you what, that's a, that's a whole lot of accounts out there are in that first camp. Doing brand keywords without control leads to bad data. Camp number two, doing no brand at all you're, you com- you know it happens. You've blocked it entirely. This is the camp I would prefer everyone to be in. <clears throat> and now, to answer your question, wh- why do people do it? Because obviously people do, even big companies that spend a lot of money on it. If the ideal situation is to never spend money on brand, why do so many people do it? Well, the answer is it can be detrimental for some companies. If you are experiencing a loss in position of your brand keywords, in other words, another company is showing up above you on your own brand name, then that could be hurting some of your return traffic, some of your visibility, some of your potential to keep and maintain your current clientele. If my company, Widget XYZ, sells a specific toy of some kind and people are looking for that toy and there's two other people that sell toys just like that and there's not really any differentiation and you know except maybe you know mine are a little bit more expensive they're better quality but two other people are doing the same thing and doing it cheaper with crappy material and selling it cheaper and they're showing ads above me and stealing what I would hope would be returning customers for me that's detrimental to the company So you're not keeping and maintaining your current clients, your current sales. So if you don't have to advertise on brand, that is the place to be. That's the second camp. But if you need to, then you are in the third camp. You should be running brand keywords with isolated campaigns. Isolated campaigns that are measurable, Isolated campaigns that only are for a brand. You know how much you have to bid. You have control of the expense. You have control of the, per, uh, the percentage of return. The results of those, they're all measured, controlled, and isolated from the rest of your campaign so that you can measure how much success you get from new customers and returning customers. That is the place you should be if you find yourself unable to, to be in camp number two, which is you know new, doing no brand traffic at all, no one should be in camp number one of doing brand keywords with no control, doing brand keywords and just ignoring it and just saying ah I get some returning traffic I get some new traffic yeah it's all the same no it's not no it's not and you're hurting yourself you're lying to yourself. The problem is if I if I if I said you know if I had to make a guess on where most people were, they're in the first camp. They're in the first camp of not controlling their traffic, controlling their brand. Now, this is a bigger deal for companies with at least some kind of brand recognition, you know, even if it's not a household name. I'm not talking about big corporate names. I'm talking about just people that know the name of the software, the program, the company, the the product, something. I mean, even if you're working within a very small window of a market, you don't want to spend 30% of your budget on returning brand keywords and not know that that's happening and not make sure that it's attributed properly. All right, we have one more question here about competitor searches, which is a lot in the same string of what we've been discussing. Before I jump into that, I wanna remind you optio.com slash PSP. That is an amazing software that has AI capabilities in it. <clears throat> it has bidding tendencies, b- bidding strategy management that can allow you to get more out of your Google ads. What it is, you, lo- you-, you connect your Google ads account and you log in. To Optio, and it brings you to a priority-focused improvement system. So, line by line, in a very organized, non-like non-threatening kind of way, it's very easy. It's not overwhelming. It's it's great. Very simply describes number one: Are you aware that you're losing? potential conversions because of your bid strategy which might be the priority that it brings to your attention high priority first then moderate priority and then low priority so that you can get the stuff done that matters right away incredibly valuable software you can try for free at optio.com psp Okay, last we have Maria, who's bringing up a great topic that I definitely wanted to include. Maria says, Hi Chris, thanks so much for sharing your knowledge every week on the podcast. I've been listening for years and learned so much during that time. I recently started managing a Google Ads account for a home remodeler that specializes in kitchens and bathrooms. While I am seeing some success in their account, I am struggling a bit with keyword targeting. There's a fine line between new home con- uh, construction and home remodels. So new home construction and home remodeling. Yeah, one home exists, the other one doesn't. Got it. And the lines appear to cross too much. Maria also goes on to ask one more question. What are your tips for deciding when or if to take out a tangentially related search term Think what what i'm so glad i said that right i just let that flow off hoping it would come out of my mouth properly it did tangentially related search term let me read that again because i totally messed up the flow what are your tips for deciding when or if to take out a tangentially related search term that brings in both good and bad traffic Also, we tend to get a lot of competitor searches because many companies feature words like design and construction in their business name. Okay, so let's hit these questions one by one. Number one, what are your tips for deciding when to take out search terms that can be both good and bad? Number one, you should always isolate, control, and measure keywords that provide both good and bad search terms or conversion metrics. So what do I mean by that? How, how does that look? Well, what that looks like is if you find a keyword is providing high volume and you look at the search terms, you look at the data that you can look at and it's, it, it's, it, it'll go up and down, up and down. It'll have good stuff, bad stuff. It's, it's very gray. Is it good? Is it bad? I don't know. It's somewhere in the middle. It just kind of sits there. It spends 30% of our spend and I can't pause it, but I also don't really want it to spend more because it's uh, it hurts. You know, It's just kind of right in the middle. Well, the answer here is you must isolate control and measure. So what does that look like? Well, that might mean you put it in a new ad group. Maybe you separate it or possibly you start looking at the search terms and adding some of those search terms in as exact match. So if you have a keyword ABC and you get a different variation that's BCD, you know, it's part of the original, but it's a little bit different. It has something attached to it. Then you take that BCD keyword and add as an exact match. Test it. Well, How does it perform compared to the original keyword? You start to, and this is an illustration that's difficult to 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 describe uh you know in an audible form but I'll, I'll try <clears throat> you take a keyword and it, almost as if you're pulling parts of that out you start to break apart the integrity of a keyword right so imagine a rope and you're like this rope is f- great but there's some strands in here that are weak it's rotted a bit and maybe you wanted to salvage part of that rope. So you're pulling out strands. You're kind of, you're like, I'm going to keep this one. I don't like this one keep this one. I don't like this one. Same thing would happen with a keyword. Find the parts that are successful and trying to replicate those because tangentially related search terms, that should be 2024 Google ads tagline, (laughs) right? That's what everyone's dealing with. That's exactly the answer that I was talking about at the top of the show. You know, what's changed since 2021 and 2024. Tangentially related search terms. That's what we're dealing with. So our job now is to not just pause keywords. We don't just shut them all off, but we figure out what's working and what isn't, to isolate, control and measure and figure out what's what's the good part, what's the bad part. Negative keywords using exact match keywords of of the search terms to try and isolate those test them uh, break things apart different put them in different ad groups test them try different ad copy it's it's an ongoing process it's a never ending process that's what you do you don't allow keywords to bully the rest of your campaign and spend 40% of the budget and get results you know it's got, it, you want good stuff you want good stuff you don't want you don't want to blend it with junk You want to try and bring out the good and limit the bad. And then last, a very controversial topic. And since it's my podcast, I'm not wrong. It's not controversial to me. Some people dare to say that this is a wrong opinion or this is bad. But I'll tell you what, you know what forms my opinion? Real world numbers and accounts that I manage and consult on. That is how I form my opinions. I don't form my opinions because I read blogs, watch videos. Honestly, I don't do any of that. What you hear on this podcast is not someone else's opinion that I have uh, opted as my own. No, these are my opinions based on real world testing and research. And when it comes to competitors, they never belong in a non-competitor ad group. Let me say it a different way. If you're not targeting your competitor with your keyword, you should not be getting search terms of your competitors in your keywords. So if your keyword is toys for babies, and you're getting brand names of other companies, just straight up brand names like uh, another company's name in the searches... That should not be happening. I believe that is a waste because, and this is going to be a future principle of Google Ads topic that I'll go in, so this is a hint, but it has to do with the boundaries of your ad groups. Your ad groups, your keywords should all have boundaries. They should have a scope. They should have a focus. And if you go outside that focus what are you left with you're left with the squishy spongy not very effective how do you, how do you measure a sponge how how do you how do you measure something squishy and, and 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 indiscriminate in the measure of what it is you can't you can't i need a keyword to to provide one specific set of goals in a certain set of search terms and i'll measure this, this the success of that squishy keywords that that deliver sometimes it's a competitor sometimes it's a brand keyword sometimes it's you know just this obscure how do i kind of search and other times it's a really good search about people saying uh you know so and so near me you know some some medical 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 weight loss near me you know wow what a great one out of 16 clicks i got 2 like that and then the rest were competitor junk you know, how to, and one, one was looking for, uh, cat videos, you know, that's an, that's, that's a, that's a, that's a waste of your effort. You should not have keywords that go outside the boundary of what you have established. And I will save that topic for another day for another discussion of the principles of Google ads. But for now, that is it. Thank you so much for sending in your questions. I appreciate you guys listening. Be sure. And Reach out if you would like to speak with me about live Google Ads coaching through Zoom. I don't have to come to your house anymore. I don't have to come to your business. Now I can do it from the comfort of my home, which is preferable to me. So it's a it's a great uh, advantage to both you and me. And it's cer- certainly much more uh, affordable <laughs> for me not to have to travel to your location to provide Google Ads consulting. So you can reach out to me at chrisshafer.com. Link is in the description of wherever you are listening or watching. I will catch you next week.